Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet singer-songwriter Jessica Hoop. Originally from California, though mostly reigning from the UK, Jessica has just put out a brand new record, Order of Romance. In this chat, she and I talk at length about this new record, some of the specific songs, the themes that went into it, and how she tried to reflect the struggles of the world around her that she was observing intimately with her own struggles as a human being in 2022. We talk a bit about the state of the world politically, health-wise, nature-wise, and especially as an expat in the UK, what it's been like observing her home country and of California, her home state specifically, in the past few years. Aired by Ani DeFranco via writer Valerie Kaur, and how her competitive fan spirit fuels some of her work. We also talk about quite a bit more. It was a lovely chat. She was candid, funny, grounded, and was really open to talking honestly about her work. So I hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Jessica Hoop. That's true. I'm going to tell them right now. It's very, very dark. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm shrouded in shadow. Yeah. But that's, can you that's hear perfectly me? fine. I can hear you fine. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, yes, I can. I just want to make sure that I'm giving you a good signal for your podcast. Yeah, I think it sounds good. I don't hear any echo or anything either. So that's nice. Okay, cool. I'm just, I lit, I literally 45 seconds ago ran in the door from work. So I'm like... <laughs> My notes were are all ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> cool. Let's let's play. Let's play. Yeah, I'm a I'm a high school English teacher, so I uh, just we we started we're starting this week from summer break. So yeah, well, I'm impressed by people who do these kinds of service services because teaching is a great service, isn't it? But uh, it, it's just very real kind of a job, like mm-hmm. real life application. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very impressed by people who work in jobs that are like real life application. I know music, it does apply, but it's very abstract, right? right? Our interaction with the world is abstract. And I'm really impressed by people who work in institutions. Hmm. I, I mean, I know. I'm, in institution. <laughs> I mean, I'm just impressed by the ability to like operate in real time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I know. It's true. That's a good way of seeing yeah. it, I suppose. Yeah, with the the necessity of having to educate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now that I'm seated, Uh we have landed and we're here. So how are you? What do you? I have you. Yes. Do you have the the necessary tipple? I don't because I just walked in the door. (laughs) You need to get It's 3.55. I will at least get some water. Would you like me to go get some some water? if you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. Okay, great. Maybe maybe you'll catch my dog running around my house in the background. Hang on one second. That's better for me. I came to let you know what you already know. I came to let you know 
All right, we're good. <laughs> I don't know. She's over there. She probably didn't see her. She's looking out the window. Anyway. So you went to go get your dog, not water. Oh, no, there she is. <laughs> I see her. Yes, cool. I did get water. I did get water. Um, yeah, let's take this up. All right. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm all things considering. Like, mm. I, I'm everything all at once, all of the time. But... But, but pretty much like riding on resolve these days. Mm. I've got a pretty like strong resolve. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things trying to take that away, probably. I think for everyone all of the time. Yeah. I think we're all kind of walking a tightrope. Feels like a lot of a lot of situations are causing us to feel like we're on a tightrope. That's my experience these days. So I have right. to. I have to be very assertive in my daily actions to stay mentally well. Mm -hmm. But you're doing all right, all things considered. Yes, I'm doing good. Like I That's say, I, I do have a strong resolve. Good. So, and I know, I know how to stay well. Well, that's important, especially maybe now more than ever. Um, yeah, it, it feels that way. Yeah, it definitely feels that way at least. Um, so especially all things considered, thank you for carving out a little bit of time to chat with me. Um, I should say right off the top, we are mostly here. The impetus is mostly here for your new album, which is out very soon, um, September 16th. It's called Order of Romance. Uh, your last record came out before the pandemic, and now we're here in 2022, two and a half years into a pandemic. Of course, I'm not going to say after a pandemic because it's not over. Um, <laughs> but does it feel markedly different to be releasing music now than it did four years ago? It does. Yes, mm. it does. Um, there's a lot more complications. Mm. I also live in the United Kingdom, which has not only been complicated by a pandemic, but also been complicated by the divorce from Europe. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's all sorts of things, all sorts of things that have fallen back on the artist's lap. That's like, oh, well, the industry isn't really supporting this, but you have to figure it out. That that kind of a feeling mm. uh, that we're we're all too familiar with. When the um, landscape changes, the artist has to um, innovate. Right. So, so it does. the The climate is. I mean, in the way that the festivals were bottlenecked, the venues were bottlenecked. True. So is the release cycle. Um, some people were, were releasing records during the pandemic, but. It, it it's just bottlenecked everything um but it is what it is has, as album, always. has the album been done for a while i finished it in 2021 okay and because of the vinyl lead times which are six this is boring six months it, takes, so. <laughs> to get, it takes six months right now to get your record pressed up right and this is i i'm pretty sure this is a universal issue um, across the industry because the demand for vinyl has become um, quite high mm -hmm. and so there's not, and there's only so many plants mm. so if anyone else wants to open up a like a competitive vinyl pressing plant it now seems like the time now the time so then okay so it's been done for a little while and now it's finally coming out it's finally real I, I watched your um it must have been Instagram you kind of unboxing your hard copy the other day 
Um, so how do you feel about this album now that you're a little bit divorced from the, the completion of it and you're now getting into the release of it? How, how are you feeling about it these days? Well, I haven't heard it for a little while, but the last time I listened, I really, I really loved it. Mm. Um, was, I think I, I met my marks in terms of, um, you know, learning how to make records is a, is a process because it's a, it's something that you're nego- you negotiate with, you go in. For me, it's a quick process. My, my um, recording, my, my relationship with making records is met with considerable limitations. So they're all done in a very quick period of time. So I have to be very prepared. And then once I get in there w- into the studio context, I have to be very prepared very ready to make use of the time and then that's what it is what we did in that period of time that's what it is there's no going back and like fixing stuff and editing this and making sure this is perfect this is very much i like to call them quick fire records Hmm. so you just throw them in the pan they flash up and then and then you serve it Hmm. so um i'm really quite happy with the overall character of the record so is that a way you've always kind of tried to record? No, this has been in the very, in the, for the first three records that I made, I was made, I made them in the safety net of, of working with uh, a man named Tony Berg. Um, he's a, well, he's a legend really, but he's my friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we would work in his backyard uh, and we would make records over time. Hmm. And, and there wasn't a pressure, but I didn't know there wasn't a pressure because this is the only context I knew and understood. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't understand it because I didn't have a point of comparison. When I left that safety net and started making records outside of that context, dealing with real world budgets and things like that, that's when the limitations were put into place. Okay. Yeah. And you and you and it sounds like anyway you've 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 sort of used those limitations instead of trying to like push against them almost. Oh, this is the way you survive. Okay. Because as you as you meet the peaks and troughs of any career, no matter and it's all relative. Whatever your limitations are, you're going to make the most of them. You're going to turn mm-hmm. them into an opportunity, and that's how you survive. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, you just throw a fit and leave. Sure, that's true because things won't you be going get, your way. Yeah, you just get diva on somebody's ass, and nobody really loves a diva. I mean, I don't. No, I can appreciate one from afar. From afar, yeah. There are people who who probably make yeah who do it a totally different way. But my situation is to turn limitations into opportunities. So let's delve a bit into this record. So again, it's called Order of Romance. Um, I'm not sure if this episode will be out just before or just after the release, but if it is, if the album's out already, then people should definitely go listen to it before we delve into this because they won't know what the hell we're talking about. But I have heard it numerous times. I was just listening to it stuck in traffic on the way home. Um, cool. <laughs> um, it's a good place to listen to a record. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, a full, my work commute is a, just under 40 minutes. So there I, you go. I listen to a full album almost every direction. It's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. That's great. Um, 
so let's delve into it a bit. So I'm always curious with with your work um, about the thematic elements because I feel like a lot of artists, and this is not a knock against anyone, but I feel like a lot of artists write albums that are kind of just collections of songs. And I do get a vibe from your work. I've been listening to your work since probably your second second album. It seems like there's usually some link. There's links. There's thematic elements going on here and it feels to me that with this album there were even more maybe or maybe I'm just looking for them more I don't know um but could you talk about sort of what sort of themes and motifs were going into this record and I'm especially interested about the title of the album Order of Romance um, which is taken from the second song and kind of what that means and why that's the title uh you know what I have (laughs) first I appreciate the way you pronounce order of romance because i've always been pronouncing it order of romance oh. so I, I i appreciate to hear it you know why i do that different... i do that because that's how, that's how you sing it on the album well yeah you're you're right you're right but it that's also rolls nicely the way the way you're saying it um well um i, I have there's this sense of where that title comes from and it's hard to describe or explain Mm. but the theme that you're that you're um alluding to is this one where i am watching the world around me struggle with its nature and especially from the certain branch from which i was raised Mm -hmm. this particular denial of our nature and so from so many songs to songs I am struggling with this frustration really of the world around me denying its nature Mm. and and then twisting the world into all these really fucked up um insurmountable shapes where we were in a tangle where, where human beings are in a, a tangle with each other rather than this flow of you know mermaid hair in the water like we could be that yeah. we could be we could be a flamboyance of flamingos in a mating dance where we completely understand our nature we accept it for what it is and we make a place for everyone in the situation but rather we take on a different approach to being a part of the animal kingdom i think also because we don't consider ourselves in in the in the patriarchal paradigm we don't consider ourselves part of the animal kingdom and a part of of, a part of nature um but if you ask me uh that's incorrect i'm pretty sure i'm an animal i'm I'm pretty sure I am as well. Yeah. So, um, so to the best of my ability, it's it's about like the order of romance is just a check in with we have an opportunity to celebrate our nature and check in where we're denying it hmm. and where it's causing us to form enemies amongst ourselves. Interesting. So, I did notice sort of these strands of kind of mixing the romantic and the political and the observant and environmental, but none of it is super blunt. I think Mm -hmm. it is 
not hidden or obscured, but it's not like a dull instrument. You know, it's little observations that you make. Like I'm especially intrigued by and sort of almost puzzled in a nice way by songs like Lyrebird, um, mm. which you, I think, appear as a narrator in most of these songs. And then suddenly we get Lyrebird, which seems very third person. And so I'm curious about, you can tell I'm an English teacher. <laughs> um, then we get Lyrebird, which has I all these in references. English. What'd you say? Yes. I failed in English, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's, there's, there's David's gone. There's mom. There's, um, the, there's the, the woman, I keep, I'm forgetting her name, the woman who votes like there's yes. all these other people. So like, where does a song like Lyrebird come from and fit into this fabric of this album? Uh, it comes from, I think a, I think you're correct in saying that I put myself in, well, oh, you're saying in third person. Well, cause like um, you're naming characters and stuff in Lyrebird, whereas in the other songs, there's eyes, there's me's, that kind of stuff. Sure. Oh, I appreciate that observation. Um, well, watching the political landscape, first, I, I would much rather hear a song that is dressed in poetry rather than spelt out mm -hmm. like it's a by numbers situation. Like, um, I would much rather hear it put together in a beautiful way. So right. I'm, not, I'm not interested in, in paint by numbers type of, um, lyrical form, but I, it was me watching the political landscape of the last couple of years, especially uh, in my home country, mm -hmm. me living in the United Kingdom, so observing it from the outside and being freaked the fuck out, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and wondering... The, the, the point from which I started the song was where is the conversation about how we're caring for the planet? Where are the, where are the blocks and who isn't participating in the conversation? And it got me to look into the Christian branch of the nation, which is considerable. Mm -hmm. And reading about how many people within the Christian faith are talking about climate change as it relates to our participation in how we care for the our environment, how we interact with our environment. And it's a very low, shockingly low number. And there's reasons for that. Things that to me are very intuitive and make perfect sense. When it's explained by someone else that you search online, it makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. that the politics are working against us, like against the favor of the planet when you want to keep the patriarchy and active, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want socialist programs. You don't want to be, anyway, it's, it's a whole thing. So that's the point where I started from, like, where is this conversation? Because I was raised Christian. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of beef with it and it's justified. I'm not coming from a part where like I was raised this, that, or the other thing. I have some serious beef with the Christian church Yeah. and, and, and not Christians, unless you're that kind of a Christian, mm -hmm. unless you're an us and them kind of a Christian. So 
So the where where the Christian line is playing into American politics, and the, as it plays out for the rest of us, as they try as as the power is overreaching. Um, that's that's the thrust of the song, hmm. and it's very personal. Yeah, and the political comes. It's not the only song with a political edge. I mean, you actually you speak of it being your home country. I feel like America shows up more on this album maybe than prior albums. Like it feels it like does. these songs show up. They, they they take place in America maybe more often than past albums. It does because well, the events of the last couple of years, the America was like a massive brat in so many ways. Like. The way the way so many communities, and from my perspective, dealt with the, the pandemic, just like narcissistic American idiots, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that it was just like me, myself, and I, that kind of an idiot. Like the, the world doesn't extend beyond me, myself, and I, and 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 in defense of myself, that's how it felt from where I was existing through a pandemic, which was more about the community and looking at the bigger picture. There was more support for that action mm. and less of the cynicism and less of the distrust, more willingness to understand that these things are a part of life, a part of our situation. They can only get worse if we don't, if we're not careful and we have to, be reverent in the face of diseases that travel the planet. Hmm. And, and I have, I had situations very, very close to me where that, that idiom, that, that id, that id, I'm sorry if that was the wrong word, that, that, that very like me, myself and I, um, that, that prioritized um, liberty uh, really took, it was really infringing upon my life, mm. my, my emotional life, people in my life um, going down that route of deep cynicism and uh, refusal to participate in what I see as the natural facts of life. Yeah. I'm also curious about, we don't have to harp on this song, but I'm curious about uh, Seven Pounds of Pressure because that also strikes me as quite a political song. Um, there's mentions of snipers and presidents. And frankly, I'm curious what even is Seven Pounds of Pressure? Like, where does that title come from? What did that song kind of come from? Uh, well, you You're know, smiling I, while I, I ask this question. <laughs> well, I enjoy, you know, a lot of artists will tell you, like, you figured out yourself. I but know. <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy talking about this process. So I'll tell you. Okay. Just out of sheer enjoyment. I appreciate I, it. I don't care if you guys like discern something else from it. This is what I mean. I don't. I'm not interested in living in a place where the government has to take your weapons from you. I'm interested in a situation where it makes sense to people to not carry them. Hmm. And we want to create safety at the root. Mm-hmm. So I want to come up with a situation, one, where guns aren't needed, and two, where it makes total sense to people to confort, like to, con- to configure a situation where they're not needed and they make no sense to carry. But 
I'm having a little bit of fun because I think Americans there's a there's a chapter within the league that is like just absolutely abhorrent in my mind how they prioritize guns Mm -hmm. and what it means to them to defend gun carry and what it means to them to sacrifice lives and and safety in truth for their right to carry them and so in the sun i'm in the song i'm poking fun at the tantrum that's going to happen when the president takes the guns away from them because there's part of my the rascal in me that wants to just stick that knife in and just turn it (laughs) i just want to i just want to like pop that fucking abscess and just just let just let it leak i just want the whole thing to fucking i i just want to see the marjorie taylor greens and the lower the laura bobert fuckers in the world just lose their shit That'd be great. Because they need to lose their shit. They really do. They need to lose a lot of things, including their shit. Including their positions. Yes, that's what I'm alluding to. Yeah. All okay. of it. Okay. I just want, I want to create safety at the core. Yeah. And I know it's a big, it's a big, bigger picture situation. I'm not trying to pretend like it's not incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. But these are songs. I get to make up any kind of situation in these songs. It's true. Yeah, they're mine. They Fuck are. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh, you know what? I skipped a note. I wanted to ask about this as well while we're talking about themes. Um, I did read, I think, somewhere that you mentioned <clears throat> that being on, or that part of the 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 song. Um, Hatred as a Mother was inspired by being with Ani DeFranco on her revolutionary love tour. That it was. That title comes up in the song quite often. Um, and I'm curious how working alongside someone as massive and sort of storied as Ani DeFranco is yes. actually did like, what did that impart in you? How did that inspire you and, and kind of give you some clues as to where to go? Well, the, the um, you mean with the song? With the song, maybe with if it inspired you in any other kind of way to to kind of witness this tour and be on this tour with her and work with her. Oh, well, she's just, she Audrey Franco is is she's just a beautiful human being. She's just she did so she's she's done and is doing so much with her very little frame and her surprisingly humble um, personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? She doesn't walk around with a sense of entitlement. I, I, I walked around with her for a good, uh, I would say enough days to recognize that she's, uh, uh, music is an act of service that she does mm-hmm. for her own self and for the people around her and the people who want to continue to listen. And I had a total love affair with her music when I was in my 20s, you know? And so um, she would go to her dressing room and write every single day. Like wow. she would just hold up and sit and write. And she wrote songs 
that we sang together on her tour. And one of the songs that she brought fresh to that tour was Revolutionary Love, uh, whose title was taken from Valerie Kaur's book. Oh, I have to remember the title off the top of my head. <laughs> you could look it up and I'll cut it out and then you can act like you didn't look it up. All right, it is a, it, it's, it's the mem- is it's... Uh... Do you want me to look it up while you talk? Yes, please. (laughs) And Manifesto of Revolutionary Love by Valerie Kaur. A memoir and a manifesto and memoir of Revolutionary Love by Valerie Kaur. Yeah, you got it right before I could Google. There you go. Okay, good. Because listen, (laughs) this is is a book I've been reading. She has a TED Talk. And this is where Ani DeFranco's um, Valerie Axe asks, Axed, <laughs> Valerie Axed, uh, Ina DeFranco to write a song for Revolutionary Love, and this is and that's what she sang on the stage. And then I was just like, I'm getting on the train, basically, <laughs> just getting on this train, because um, it's a it's a movement, it's a practice, and it's a necessary one. It's gentle, and it's for people who are willing to like open up their uh, minds to something that's quite gentle because it's about taking personal responsibility Mm. for how your interactions go and what kind of enemies you're making throughout your life and how you view um, criminals, basically, how much time you have for them to understand their story, where they come from, how much time you have for your own criminal behavior, where they come from, your behaviors, I mean. So so that's where lines like, Hey man, where'd you grow up? Like that, that's a, that kind of comes from. Yeah. It's so if somebody crosses you rather than taking punitive action on that person, and it's really difficult thing to do because it's our knee jerk reaction when someone crosses you is to just fucking write them off or cuss, Mm -hmm. cuss, you know, or just assume that they're this, that or the other thing. So it's a, it's something that's going to require like, every day, like every like moment to moment attendance to rewire your like knee jerk reactions to being offended. Mm-hmm. But when somebody really does something fucked up, you have to ask yourself like, well, where did that action come from? Yeah. Where did, you know, it, it doesn't come from nowhere. Hmm. I like that. Well, it, it absolutely comes from a place. Yeah. And so you have to give people a way to like regenerate, restore. Yeah, like extend empathy. Yeah, give them op- you know, give yourself an opportunity mm-hmm. to to regenerate, restore, correct, you know, correct the path. Mm. And behave better. Yeah. Cuz we're all learning all the time. Some of us are. We okay. We should all I'm be not, learning all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not learning all the time, but I. I, I feel. I, I mean, in this in this endeavor, which I do try, I. I, I regularly fail. <laughs> it's important. You know. I mean, it's just like, you know, you're you're driving and you have low blood sugar, mm-hmm. and somebody cuts you off, and you're like, "Fuck you, asshole." Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like, um, nobody's, there's very few Buddhas around, you know, 
Yeah. So before we move on uh, off this top of this general topic, can we talk a bit about the various moms on the album? <laughs> yeah, I've been told. I've been told there's a lot of moms. There are a lot of moms. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Are, it's a, no, it's great. Um, okay. Good. <laughs> are are any of them actually modeled off your mother? Oh uh, yeah, there there is yes, there is a few. Um, okay. I, I, I it was called to my attention that there that I have mommy issues. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, you know, like a friend of mine was like, "There's a lot of mom on this record," and yeah. over over time. Well, and, yeah, because uh, I'm reminded of songs like "Angel Mom" from "Hunting My Dress," which are very explicitly, I think, about your mother and your memories of your mother and it yeah. does seem like she and other adjacent mothers do factor into the storytelling of this record and I was just yeah. curious as to why and also like for the ones that are your mother yeah. how do, how does she continue to kind of impact you well I think part of the part of the situation is that she passed when she was very quite young she was 54 mm-hmm 52 or 54 but my memory fails me I'm sorry it's a number she was let's give her another couple of years she was 54 <laughs> and so that's a very young that's a very young death mm -hmm. right that's five years for me or you know seven seven years like if I died in seven years time like so much is just beginning right yeah. so she left us like early in my life she left us early in my life she fulfilled her life mm -hmm. at 54 and she left so her absence makes her larger um but then also i think in in this record this or this this album of accounts her particular belief system started to really infringe upon my territory in my life because of how it played out in others surrounding me. Hmm. So if you're raised with a particular, she, she was really attracted to, to the darker or scary stories, things that you'll find trending nowadays hmm. um, that weren't trending back uh, in 2007, when she passed away, it was like there were these dark or these these certain channels of whispers that were going around that are not completely without truth. Like stories, the, the scariest stories are are generally founded in with a kernel of truth. But what I believe is, and I say believe because I I don't know that much. I believe that my mom was bitten with a deep, with, with the, cynic, the, the cynic bug. And these scary stories were leveraged um, to, to, someone, to, to gain something for someone else, hmm. for others, for some other people who needed her to believe certain things. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm being vague because I don't want to perpetuate the stories Sure. Um, because they they because people in my life were 
seriously overstepping boundaries during the pandemic and the scariest stories, the most unbelievable, the most like worst of humankind were the ones that were afoot mm-hmm. and the ones that we needed to be um, protecting ourselves against. And that, that frame of mind came from my mother in terms of how it affects me personally. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's what you'll hear throughout the album. Yeah. I mean, in some cer- certain circumstances. Right. And the others were just like, why didn't you allow me to hang out with boys when I was a kid? Is that like, about her? <laughs> that is definitely about her. I wasn't allowed that line in that song. Right. Which, which is... Um, as a child, my mother forbade me to hang it, hang out alone with boys, something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then what's so scary hang and bad? Yeah. yeah, what's so scary with boys? And but it really made me nervous to hang around boys. It was and, like, and yeah, as you mentioned in the lyric, it also gave you these like weird obsessions with the idea of hanging out with boys. I was just like, if I got a crush on a boy, I was through. <laughs> it was over for me. Which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't have been that way. Yeah. It, I mean, it could have been another. Let's just say this. It could have been another way. Yeah. I could have been like, I'm too cool for you. <laughs> Which is what the way healthy girls act with boys. Sure. Like, I'm too it's cool. like I don't need. I'm not gonna give you my time. <laughs> just like, just you know, buy in a bit. You know. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the lyrical content and the thematic content, narrative content. Um, let's talk about some music. Stop talking maybe about you so much. I'll take the pressure off you a little bit. Um, so tell I us. Am I rambling? Oh, I don't even care if you were. I love a good I'm ramble. Drinking, I'm drinking wine. That's perfectly fine. I don't have anything to drink besides water or else I'd be joining you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about who plays with you here. It's actually... Um, it's a pretty spare record. Um, and yet there's like quite a few people. I was reading the credits the other day. There's quite a few people who play with you and, and sing with you. Um, yeah. You know, I know last time, um, was it last time? Yeah, in Stone Child, um, Lucius sang with you a couple of times. Yeah. And that was really fun. So who who plays and sings with you uh, mostly on this album that we can we can look forward to hearing? Well, there, I, I decided to go for two gals throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So between us, we would create all of the vocal, all of, uh, we would fulfill the vocal arrangements with that set number. Um, and so one gal who is, they're both artists in their own right. Um, Chloe Foy, who has released her first record, uh, Chloe Foy, and then Rachel Rimmer, who is in the beginning stages of releasing music. Cool. Um, yeah, and, and we do shows together as well. And then who who's playing all those nice horns? I You know what? If you're going to ask me to remember the names, okay. I, I'm going to struggle. I'm really going to struggle because... <laughs> Because my my brain, I could tell you that it was Jesse Vernon okay. who arranged the horns, and this is why there's so many names on gotcha. the credited because it takes a bunch of people to play in a brass section. Sure. 
So we do, we have like flugelhorn, we have saxophone, we have bassoon. I we saw have the a little bassoon. Bit of, <laughs> I love the bassoon. Yeah. We have a uh, flute and we have, there's another one. Oh yeah, trombone. Mm. And so Jesse Vernon from the band, This Is The Kit. Okay. Um, arranged the horns for this record. Yeah, they're quite, they're like muted, but they're so warm. Mm. And there's something very lovely about them. They actually reminded me a little bit of horns that like latter day Ani DeFranco might have like that kind of laid back, like just almost like summery. I don't even know. There's just a really nice vibe to the horns on this album. Yeah, um, he was he was drawing from medieval music, actually. That makes sense, especially with the woodwinds. Yeah, um, little page action. Yeah, and the percussion on the album is so stripped back and yet so integral. Like I love how. I think it's uh, silent extinction. The whole percussion is basically just that tapping. Yeah. But it's so important to the song. Yeah. Well, said, it, that's that's a man named Seb Rockford, and mm -hmm. he's he's just beautiful. And that was his idea to put the tabla on. Oh, is that what he's, that is? Yes, and he's from Indian um, heritage, and he pulled out the tabla, which was really lovely and succinct. And it was a total surprise. I, I didn't imagine going that direction. Oh, okay. That's fun. <laughs> All I want is to be surprised. Right. And there is yeah. something a little bit ramshackle about the whole like vibe of it. It almost reminded me of like Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Fiona Apple type stuff. You know, uh, you could, like... Yeah. You couldn't make me happier with that reference. I, know, I was, I mean, longtime Fiona fan. I was thrilled that she secretly kind of showed up on memories are now i remember oh, yeah. i remember yeah. reading her name in the liner notes and being like what she played the harmonica yeah which is so cool it was actually, yeah that yes yes that was the song cut connection yeah yeah but yeah there's just like this sort of laid back groovy undercurrent to it all which i think is really really neat and it's a very homogenous album every song yeah. fits fits i think well together um, yes. So you mentioned, you know, you like to be surprised. You you welcome the surprises. Uh, how this is? Oh God! Now I'm gonna have to count. Is this your sixth album? Seventh? This is my sixth long play. Right. Um, and there's some side projects. We did. We like to make the studio. We like to do like these acoustic live versions of the albums. Mm -hmm. So oh right, like, that's right. Including including the the record I made with Sam Beam, oh okay, Love Letter Fire. It's seven, and then a few side projects. So, what still keeps you on your toes? Like, how do you still kind of go in with a new set of challenges each time? <sighs> well, there's certain artists that that inspire me. They get my competitive spirit going. <laughs> In terms of like, uh, in terms of harnessing my potential hmm. and and making the most use of what my skill sets are. Um, so if I hear a singer and I'm just like, man, that's just so spot on. Um, I'll be I'll be inspired to 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 refine or hone or see if I can meet 
a different mark. Hmm. Um, Most of all, I think I just want to, I want to feel like I, I reach, well, I want to reach a potential. I just want to keep on reaching the potential and, and feel like I, you know what, I want to put what, I want to put into the world what I feel like I want to hear. Hmm. And, and the, I think if, if you can't compromise, which I can't, because it, it, um, I mean, in terms of as a songwriter, I can't compromise. I have to do uh, what's innately me because it it just shows up. It, it it flags itself up like you're copying this or that. So I have to I have to listen to my to what inspires me and influences me, and then render it down to what works for me naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, which has put me in a weird, strange place because. Uh, People don't necessarily know where to put me. But these last couple records are quite frankly, they're pretty straightforward songwriting, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, um, I don't really know. I don't really know the answer to that question. That's okay. I, I I don't have a plan B. Let's put it that way. That's fair. Yeah. This is this is absolutely everything. Right. That that this is my plan. And yeah. so I have to keep. I have to keep on carving out the boat, and then stick animals two by two into it because the flood is coming. Right. And that's it. Yeah. I just have to keep growing and and hope that people will want to grow with me or change yeah. with me. That's it. It does seem you mentioned the last few albums have been relatively relatively straightforward. It does seem like you have kind of settled into a groove of yours, like. Your first well, two I'm albums, you're changing the that, groove. I am, but I'm not going to tell you about that because I don't. I don't, don't, don't want to know. I want to be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to come of anything, but but it is change. It's time. It, I I'm also very very down for the pivot. Right. One of my one of my jokey questions I had at the end of my thing was, when are we getting the Jessica Hoop synth pop album? Oh, I just I can't even tell you. I just don't even know. All the better. All the better. Um, so I think I, I do dabble in pop. Oh yeah, you've I done it. You, 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 but you have done it. Like I've heard you. I have. Yeah. I know. I know. I have. But like Kismet has got pop on it. Sure. Like like that song, Intelligent Tactile One Hundred One. That's mm-hmm. pop. You know. And like, what is what is Hospital if not pop? Hospital is pop. Yeah, you got it's, it. It's just yanked from Tegan and Sarah. Pop. Oh. You know, that's they, they were my they were my vocal inspiration for that for that song. But I, I can see yes, that. but I I haven't wanted to skirt around genres so much in the last three records. I right. wanted to be this is this is songwriting full stop. Yeah, because because your other three records, we're talking your main discography here are pretty experimental in that they they kind of jump around the moods shift the genres shift you know hospital is super poppy in a way that a song like uh peacemaker is not and so and so now yeah these past three albums have been sort of like homogenous whole yeah so now now you're saying you're gonna 
They're same year. They're same year. But not, but not, in, a, in, a, not in a bad way. No, I, I think samey works for people. Yeah. They, I think people get a little bit, it's a lot to ask for people to skirt around mm. um, aesthetics. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know where I'm going right now, which is a fine place to be. Right. Um, and I haven't written anything. I mean, I have, I've been writing, but I haven't written any songs in a while. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the world is my oyster. Which is not, <laughs> yeah, which is not a bad place to be. I like oysters and I think you should chew them. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to just slug them down. I think you need to chew them a bit. So I did want to mention uh, or at, mention and ask, um, the first time I think I heard your music, probably now that I uh, was thinking about it, is uh, when the Kingdom video came out. Um uh-huh. I must, I must have been in college. I don't remember, or maybe late, late high school. Um, but I was so struck by it. And it does seem like visuals are really important to you and your album cycles, because you always, your albums are always coming with very specific imagery and your album covers always seem very specific. And then you have a couple of videos for each one. You've already released a couple of pretty visually sort of um intriguing videos for this new album so i'm curious how important the visual aspect is is to you with an album rollout and is it something you actually think about while making the album or is it something that comes later it comes later always comes later um and it's always a total mind fuck (laughs) it's absolute mind fuck like but i i have a very good friend and who his name is Aliyah Petridis, and, and he runs this film company called Filmatics. And we grew up together in, in a lot of ways in terms of like, since I've been making music for a living. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's got a film company. He writes films, short films and feature films. And, and we've just been making videos together for a very long time. And, um, and so it's usually a process. I mean, he's not the only person. I've made videos with other folks as well. Another man named Paul Mortlock, etc. Um, but like Aaliyah being my primary collaborator when it comes to videos, I usually take something to him and say, what do you want to do? Mm. And then he creates a story. And then I'm like, okay, let's do that. Is the you video know? process fun for you? Um, or is it just it can be it can be this last time around there were aspects of it that were very fun Mm. um and then there were aspects that were like oh yeah yeah but if if it's gonna be like here's your budget basically you have to make this thing on your iphone which is probably a fine way to go um you know there's the chances of a video going badly are quite high mm. <laughs> because <laughs> if you ask most artists, I think they would say that the chances of a video going badly are quite high, but I have a very good friend in this man, Aaliyah, my, my home, my home fry, Aaliyah. And because of our, our closeness, 
I, I have a little bit more say in what goes on. Sure. You know, and they're, they're just these things that we make. Like I have, there's some, some absolute like genius videos in the world where I'm like, how the hell was that accomplished? Mm-hmm. Like Bjork's music all, videos. Are just all is full of love. This out of this world. That's the first one I always think of when I think of great music videos. This out of this world. And, there, and there's other great music videos and I've never, you know, it's always something to like keep the diamond in your mind, <laughs> you know. But I, I, I don't feel like I've ever reached that kind of like out of this worldness. It does sort I'm of a- feel like the, the age of the great, great music video is like a bygone era. You know what well, I mean? they, they also cost a lot of That money. is very true. And labels just aren't paying that way, I think. Yeah. You know. But would you do videos if you didn't, like, quote-unquote, have to? Is it something you actually, like... Well, like, if I do, if I make something, you know, yeah, I think I would, actually. Yeah. I, I actually like the end result. I right. mean... I like me uh, these little things as as um, what do you call them? Artifacts are cool. Yeah. You know, it's re- I'm always really appreciative when someone has footage of their <laughs> life, and and but especially of their life. Like, if you had footage of of your childhood and footage of the cult you joined and footage of the, these little things you made, that's great. Yeah awesome and an artist should always angle that direction like you need to be able to watch the person that that you those those artists that you love yeah and it is sort of how you visually connect with a lot of people yeah i mean it 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 helps the whole the whole thing land yeah so you do have a pretty long european tour coming up in the fall um, is this your first headlining tour since COVID? It, well, no, I, I did a small one. Okay. Um, just when, when they had to like split, we, I had to do two shows a night because they had to divide the audience in half Oh. to keep everyone socially distanced. Oh, geez. And so I had to do double the work and take half the pay. Right. <laughs> but but with that said, the second show was always great. Was it? <laughs> yeah, the first show was like you get all the kinks out. Sure. And then the second show that night is just fun. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> so every night I'd be like, oh, my God, I have to do that again. Right. And then just afterwards, I'm like, that was so much fun. Oh, well, that's nice, at least. Silver lining. Yeah, um, silver lining. So do you have any ideas yet of how this new album is going to translate on stage? I'm taking out a simple, a simple uh, formation of three. Oh, okay. Power number three. And uh, just, you know, the strongest like structure in the world, mm-hmm. it's triangle and uh, two, all three, you know, three gals. Oh, cool. In Europe, in Europe, it's just going to be two of us. In the United Kingdom, it's going to be three of us. Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll see what happens in the states. We're building the, the state wide tours right now. Okay, cool. Hopefully, you come to the Northeast at some point. <laughs> you know what? 
Upstate New York. Oh, Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. We have. Where? I've never played in Connecticut. New Haven would love to have you. Connecticut. Here I come. There you come. Here she comes. Connecticut. Here she comes. Um, <laughs> well, I know it's late there. I won't keep you any longer. Um, thank you very much, Jessica, for for talking with me. I've been listening to you for a while. I like the new record a lot, and it's been quite a treat to uh, get to pick your brain a bit about it. So I appreciate your time a lot. I like talking shop. So yeah, and I like listening, so that works. <laughs> okay, hopefully, hopefully, I make coherent sense. Oh. The wine is quite nice. Yeah, I'm. I I I only have water. I can't even <laughs> get there with you. <laughs> Maybe it's time for you to go and crack. You know open what? It. It's almost five. We'll we'll see what I dig up. Yeah, it's beer o'clock somewhere. In the UK, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Wine o'clock. <Bedtime. laughs> Is it bedtime? <laughs> almost, yeah. Almost. Yeah. I know. I go to bed so early these days, but that's I like. I like. Who doesn't like sleeping? It's my favorite thing to do. I love sleeping. <laughs> you know what? The only thing I wish about sleeping is that I experienced it. Right? Because I really only experienced falling asleep and waking up. Like yeah. I'm not aware because eight hours when you're awake is a long motherfucking time. It really and because is. I love, because I love sleeping so much, I wish I was like participating in it yeah. consciously because I could just be like, for eight hours, I could just be like, oh, this feels so right? good. Just resting, being in the rest. <laughs> this this meditation i'm in where my brain my brain is at a standstill yep but instead like, it's passive yeah and then but i do get to enjoy the dreaming side of things that's so true. that's true well i hope you have right. lovely dreams tonight i will okay great i will to be thank you right. so much all right thank you for talking with me you have a good day you too. Have a nice evening. <laughs> you have a nice evening. Thank you, Jessica. So long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.